I'm Gary Wallach, and this is Lamplighters, stories from Chabad emissaries on the Jewish frontier. Life as a Chabad emissary is often joyous, but it can be unpredictable and even dangerous. Chabad has become a ubiquitous presence in every corner of the world. But behind every Chabad house are emissaries, regular people, striving to transcend their circumstances and a community that supports and relies on them. These are their stories. Chaya Harlig is shlucha at Chabad of Henderson, Nevada, a city near Las Vegas. Chani Zirkind is shlucha at Chabad of Fresno, California. Aside from their work as Chabad emissaries, the Rebetzins have something else in common. They're both very close to an extraordinary woman. Chaya Harlig describes her like this. Like I call her the Rus of this generation, the Ruth, because she came from a princess lineage. Ruth, of course, is the Moabite princess at the center of the Book of Ruth, who gives up royal prestige for a life in Israel among the Jewish people. So what is it about this mutual friend that would cause Harlig to make such a comparison? Sasoe Tai was born in Washington, D.C. in the early 70s. Her mother was a princess, the youngest of the 56 children of King Sisawath, who ruled Cambodia for 23 years. Her father was a Cambodian diplomat to the U.S. When Sat Soe, or Susie as she came to be called, was just two years old, the family moved to Cambodia for a brief time. They eventually settled in Long Beach, California, to be closer to their extended Cambodian family and to explore their cultural heritage. My mother, she spoke Khmer to us from the get-go. We would go to the Buddhist Vihara in L.A. on Sundays for Buddhist temple services. It was in California that her mother told Susie that she was a member of the royal family of Cambodia. She taught her to carry herself in a royal, dignified fashion. But, her mother stressed, her lineage didn't make her better than anyone else. I learned how to be humble. I learned about how to be compassionate, just to look inside myself. Susie practiced what she had learned. Many years later, that would lead her to an entirely new family. When Susie was just 12, her father passed away, and the Ties moved to Fresno, California. About 10 years later, Susie moved to Las Vegas. In 1996, she met Ray Karogli at a friend's birthday party. And we just started to talk, and we formed a friendship. They dated, but there was a problem. Ray was a Persian Jew. When the relationship progressed, did you find that your religious backgrounds presented any problems for you? In the beginning, Yes, because I was raised Buddhist. My mother and my sister, they were not happy with it. Here, I'm going to something totally different. Susie and Ray dated and occasionally attended a non-Orthodox synagogue, and she was learning about Jewish custom, but she didn't know much about the Jewish religion. One night in 1999, she attended a class with Ray at Chabad of Southern Nevada. It was taught by Rabbi Shia Harlig. And towards the end... He was mentioning about God. Who is God? What is God? God is infinite. And it was at that moment where something intrigued me. You know, I've always felt this, but I never knew what it was. 
So when I heard that, I wanted to know more. And that's when I started taking classes in Judaism and reading more, trying to figure out what he was talking about. Because within myself, this is what I've always felt. Susie and Ray met more people in Las Vegas's Jewish community, including Rabbi Mendy and Rebetzin Chaya Harlig, co-directors of Chabad of Henderson. Harlig says she was drawn in by Susie's sense of humor. But then when you sit down and have a conversation or you talk to her deep, you see that deep connection and that kind of neshama hovering over her. You felt it. You felt the sincerity and the wanting so much to really come down to the truth. Always curious, asking questions, and always in such a dignified manner. Susie and Rebetzin Chaya developed a close relationship. Susie kept studying and became more involved in shul life. In 2003, Susie underwent a non-Orthodox conversion. Her mother gained a new perspective on her daughter's spiritual life. My mother, she knows how I am. I think with my heart, my soul, always with love and kindness, just like her. Susie's mother began to see the beauty in Judaism, and she accepted her daughter's new path. Susie and Ray married in 2005 in Israel. Back in the States, she frequently visited her Cambodian family in Fresno, and she remained involved with Chabad. Before one visit, she reached out to Rebetzin Khani Zirkind of Chabad of Fresno for help. I got a phone call. Hi, I'm calling from Las Vegas. I want to join for Shabbat to light candles. She's like, okay, come on over. Susie arrived in Fresno the next day. From the first second. From the moment she walked in, there was some energy. From the time I greeted her, it was almost, I know this sounds funny, but it was almost as if we had known each other for a very long time. There was a certain warmth. Something kind of resonated with me, with Hani and Rabbi. There was something there. As Shabbos drew near, Susie asked if she could call Ray, who was home in Las Vegas, when she lit candles. The Zirkin's children responded, Um, you don't really be on the phone when you lay Shabbat candles. And I thought to myself, oh man, this is starting off wrong. <laughs> and we lit a couple minutes early so that it wouldn't be in violation of Shabbat. She got up to leave. But the Zirkins invited Susie, who was there with Ray's daughter Elizabeth, to stay for Shabbos meal. She accepted, and then they talked. That night she told us her story. And she said, well, I'm from Cambodia. She also told the Zirkins about her Jewish husband and about her non-Orthodox conversion. The Zirkins accepted her for who she was. You know, this is her journey, but we're not here to change her. and. I think she ended up leaving like two or three in the morning. In just a few short hours, Susie and Hani Zirkind had become close friends. And we both said we feel like we'll always be part of each other's lives. And she's like, are you sure? Can I be part of your life even if I'm not accepted Jewish by you? And I said, of course, I feel like we're meant to be in each other's lives and you have family here and you're always welcome to come back. Susie returned to Las Vegas, where she continued to learn and to practice Yiddishkeit with Chaya Harlig. 
but she says she had a deep yearning for more. All of a sudden, from that one meeting, she started the phone calls, and then she started to travel in more often, and she would ask me all the tough questions that she normally would not have asked other Rebbitsons because it's not easy. But she was like, just answer everything. Like, she just wanted to hear everything raw and honest. After a few years of honest talk and a gradual infusion of Torah and mitzvahs into her life, Susie decided that she wanted to pursue an Orthodox conversion. And then in 2011, when she once again decided that she wanted to go through Gerus, she spent the summer with us. While Elizabeth attended summer camp in Fresno with the Zirkins, she and Ray, who the Zirkins insist on calling by his Hebrew name Rachamim, studied a range of subjects. But there was one biblical book in particular that the Zirkins wanted to learn with Susie. And my husband and I said to her, we think that it would be proper, being that you're from royalty, we would like to learn Megillas Rus with you, the story of Ruth. It was just right. It just felt comfortable. And we learned the story of Ruth, and she's like, this is my story. And it solidified everything for her. Chaya Harlig noticed the difference right away. On went the shaitl, and on went the Sunia's clothes. I mean, a full-on rust. So um, it was just an unbelievable thing to watch. I mean, in general, we don't push people to convert, but here we saw clearly the hand of Hashem and the desire for her to receive her Jewish neshama. In the beginning, I was thinking, wow, Orthodox is very hard. You know, it's a tough lifestyle. However, when I actually immersed myself into Chabad, it was just something so beautiful. The love of Torah, the Rebbe, at that point, it was no longer intimidating. In December of 2012, Susie got the green light from the Orthodox Bay's Din. The following month, the Karoglis, the Harleigs, and the Zirkins made the trip to the mikvah in Los Angeles, where the Gerus would be finalized. Chaya and Chani were there with her when she was asked, Are you ready to accept the one Hashem, the one God of the universe? And she said, yes. You know, and that moment when she said, yes, we were holding hands, squeezing each other, hugging. She had a hard time reciting the blessing for immersion because of the tears in her eyes. But I have to finish to say the bracha. I looked at the chart there and finished saying the bracha. I turned around and I looked at Hani and Haya and they were hugging each other. At that point, I'm like, did they feel what I felt? We all felt Hashem's hand literally taking her neshama and placing it inside of her. You felt a new creation. It was something that you almost cannot describe. It was a day like I've never experienced. Sara Bracha, as she was now known, had accomplished her goal. But there was little time to reflect on that. She and Ray were married three days later, and then they went to Cambodia. For my cousin's funeral, King Nordam Sinuk, my mother, she could not attend. Therefore, she asked for Ray and I to go to pay our respects 
on her behalf. They visited the entire royal family, toured the grounds of the royal palace, and visited locations named after relatives, including Sisawath Street, honoring her great-grandfather. When she was young, she had wondered what it meant to be a member of a royal family. You know, I know my, my mother is a princess, but living in the Western world, how would we ever conceive that? But at that point when we went, then I'm like, okay, you know what? She's the daughter of a king at one point that ruled Cambodia. Sora Bracha and Ray returned to Vegas, where they run the family business and raise their children. In 2019, the Karuglis made international headlines and history for becoming the first Jewish family to celebrate a bas mitzvah in Cambodia. Sara Bracha planned and pulled off a totally kosher gathering in Phnom Penh that included dozens of friends and members of the Cambodian royal family who lit candles on a giant menorah as part of the festivities. For me, I found such love in that because my family members, they, they love me and therefore they saw this is part of me and they were there to support my family and I, which is huge. This year, the family celebrated the bar mitzvah of their son, Matanel. Because of COVID travel restrictions, it was held in Henderson, not Phnom Penh. Sara Bracha somehow found the time to compose a Devar Torah for the occasion. Her message resonated with Chaya Harlig. About what she wanted from her children, that she wanted them to lead a Torah life, to make Hashem happy, to make the Jewish people happy, that really touched me. Matanel chanted all seven aliyahs of Parshas Breshis, read the Haftorah, and led Shabbos services. I just turned to Sar Bracha and to Chai, and I was like, is anyone else feeling what we felt all those years ago by the mikvah? And they looked at me and they said, we're feeling the exact same thing. Seeing my son there reading and the way he rocks himself as he dobbins, I couldn't be any more proud and I see the work of Hashem in my children. There are those who would say that they see the same thing in Sara Bracha Karogli. She's so comfortable within herself that she's able to share her story and she's open with it and her children are proud of who she is and they are true lamplighters. After Chani Zirkin's words about Sarah Bracha and the family she's helped build, could there possibly be anything left to say? I'm Gary Wallach. Thanks for listening to Lamplighters, stories from Chabad emissaries on the Jewish frontier. We welcome your questions and comments about what you've just heard on Lamplighters. Please email us at podcast at lubavitch.com. And if you know of a great story involving Chabad emissaries or the people they inspire, please let us know about them. That's podcast at L-U-B-A-V-I-T-C-H dot com. To subscribe digitally to Lubavitch International Magazine or to receive it at your doorstep, please visit lubavitch.com slash subscribe. This is a Lubavitch International podcast.